The Old Testament reading for this, the second Sunday in Lent, comes from the prophet Jeremiah, the 26th chapter. When Jeremiah had finished speaking all that the Lord had commanded him to speak to all the people, then the priests and the prophets and all the people laid hold of him, saying, You shall die. Why have you prophesied in the name of the Lord, saying, This house shall be like Shiloh, and this city shall be desolate without inhabitant? And all the people gathered around Jeremiah in the house of the Lord. When the officials of Judah heard these things, they came up from the king's house to the house of the Lord, and took their seat in the entry of the new gate of the house of the Lord. Then the priests and the prophets said to the officials and to all the people, This man deserves the sentence of death, because he has prophesied against this city, as you have heard with your own ears. Then Jeremiah spoke to all the officials and all the people, saying, The Lord sent me to prophesy against this house and this city all the words you have heard. Now, therefore, mend your ways and your deeds, and obey the voice of the Lord your God, and the Lord will relent of the disaster that he has pronounced against you. But as for me, behold, I am in your hands. Do with me as seems good and right to you. Only know for certain that if you put me to death, you will bring innocent blood upon yourselves and upon this city and its inhabitants. For in truth, the Lord sent me to you to speak all these words in your ears. This is the word of the Lord. O come, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. The epistle reading comes from Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, the third and fourth chapters. Brothers, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many, of whom I have often told you, and now tell you even with tears, Walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Rise for the reading of the gospel. And the Holy Gospel, which serves as the text for our sermon this morning, comes according to St. Luke, the 13th chapter. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to Jesus, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, Go and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. 
How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is forsaken, and I tell you, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And this is the gospel of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. How long will you love someone who doesn't love back? How many times will you help someone, reach out to someone who spits in your face and abuses your generosity? What's your limit? Well, that probably varies depending on who the person is. If a stranger comes to your door asking for a handout, and then when you give them something says, well, come on, don't you have anything better? You probably close the door and don't speak to them at all if they come back around. But what about someone closer? A coworker, a friend, a family member, your own child? How many times can you get burned and still offer your support, still reach out to help them, still love them. You know, our world likes to talk a lot about unconditional love, but the fact is it really doesn't exist. Not in us, at least. All of us have a point where we will throw up our hands and say, enough, it's just not worth it. I have tried and I've tried and I've tried, and you keep throwing it back in my face. Some are more patient than others. Some relationships have fewer conditions than others. But all of us, as sinful humans, eventually reach the point where we just won't love anymore. And if we reach that point when it's just one or two people pulling our strings and pushing our buttons, how much sooner would we break if it was the whole world against us? What if every single person that we helped, that we loved, hated us, in return, told us they didn't want us in their lives, acted like we didn't even exist despite all the times we helped them, despite everything that we gave to them, what would your reaction be? Well, think about it, because this is the position that we sinners have put God into. God loves, and we don't. In our Gospel reading today, Jesus mourns over his beloved Jerusalem, the city that he loves beyond measure, but which in turn despises him. He says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you would not. He laments the fact that he wants to protect Jerusalem wants to keep it safe and warm, wants to care for it and nurture it and love it like a mother hen. He warns Jerusalem of the impending danger, the destruction, the sin that they have brought into their lives. But Jerusalem would not. Would not receive his love, would not accept his blessings, would not heed his warnings, would not even acknowledge him. They would rather suffer under their sin, would rather kill the messenger than hear the message of God's holy word. Jesus loves them so much, but Jerusalem would not. 
And it's not just Jerusalem. Jerusalem is just the epitome of that rejection. Jerusalem is a city that had a special relationship with God. The city where God made his name to dwell. But also the city that killed so many prophets. And yet, all around the world, all throughout history, Jesus mourns how he longs to serve and save his beloved children. And you would not. Each and every one of us is like Jerusalem. Each and every one of us hears the word of God and despises it. God pours out his love into our lives and we reject it. All throughout history it's been this way. The prophets who came in the Old Testament speaking God's word, talking about the Messiah, talking and warning about the dangers of sin, they were rejected. They were persecuted. In the Old Testament, Jeremiah comes and he speaks. God's word. And the officials in Jerusalem, of course, they don't hear God's word and say, we must repent. They're convicted by the law, but rather than heed that warning and change their wicked ways, they seek to have Jeremiah killed. They say, how dare you speak against this city? How dare you speak against us? How dare you tell us that we're doing something wrong? We're God's people. We're good people. We are the pinnacle of society. And so rather than hear God's word, they want to destroy it. They don't want to hear anything but good news. Pats on the back. Congratulations of how great they are. And they assume that God has to love them because, hey, they're Jerusalem, right? And so anyone speaking against them anyone speaking against their lifestyles, anyone speaking against anything that they decide to do, clearly they're just a false prophet and they deserve to die. But it wasn't just Jeremiah and it wasn't just Jerusalem. All the prophets were opposed. All were hated for speaking God's word. Many of them were killed. And then we come to Jesus Christ. God had sent the prophets, his messengers, those who went before him to prepare the way. And then he sent his only beloved son. And we would think the son of God would be accepted. We would think God himself in the flesh. There's no way we could deny that, right? But Jesus Christ himself was rejected. Despite all the miracles and the wonders and the signs, despite perfectly fulfilling all the messianic prophecies, Despite the fact that he is truly God himself, Jerusalem and the entire world not only rejected his message and refused to listen to him, but we had him killed. We had him falsely tried. We had him nailed to a cross and killed, lifted up so that we could mock him and say, Ha! Look what's become of your prophecies now, you fool. And still today, we continue. Still today, God's word is rejected. Paul says that people walk as enemies of the cross. Not just a casual, oh, I'm not so sure about this Jesus fellow, but actively opposing him, hating his ways, despising the very message of the cross of Jesus Christ. 
He says they serve only their own bellies, their own selfish desires, living day to day like animals. No thought of the future, no thought of others, no thought of the word of God. They decry Christianity as bigoted, outdated ways of controlling those feeble-minded masses. They say that God's word doesn't apply anymore. And when I say they, we mean we. We do the same thing. We say, well, sure, the commandments say that we should not commit adultery, but my situation is special. I'm different. I know better. I can handle it. And our society has moved along so many ways, and all those rules, those were because back in the old days, they didn't get it. But we know better, because we have professors, and we have enlightenment, and we have philosophy, and we have all sorts of ways of justifying our sin and saying, see, we don't need God. We glory in our shame, as Paul says. We extol what is evil, and we decry what is right. Someone who dares to stand up against abortion, the murder of an innocent child in the womb, we say, how dare you? Don't you respect women? That's a right. They deserve to have that. Someone who dares to speak against transgenderism or homosexuality or other ways of despising God's order of creation, we say, how dare you tell someone that they're wrong? How dare you stand up against these people who just want to love How dare you speak against our gods of wokeism, liberalism, whatever sexuality we want to be. How dare you? We glory in our shame. We lift up what is evil and say, this is good and right. This is what we need to teach to our children. This is what the world should be chasing after. And we compound our sin with further sin. Digging deeper and deeper, seeming to race faster and faster to the cliff to plunge into hell. We are a sick and broken society. God has poured out grace upon grace upon grace for our sinful world. And in return, we despised him. Not just them, not just the grand heretics, not just the celebrities who hate the church, but each and every one of us. We have despised God's word. We have twisted his ways. We have wanted something more for ourselves than he has given us. We are not content with his word. We mock and ignore it. We accuse him of being a tyrant. We blame him for anything bad that happens in our lives. We look to this wretched world for wisdom instead of to his omniscience and perfection. We claim that we know better than he does. We claim that we're the ones who get to decide what's right and wrong. We claim that he's not necessary and we can get along just fine without him. We put sports and vacation and sleep and everything else ahead of God's word. We forget about him when things are going great. And then we scream, why would you do this to me? When our sinful deeds come home to roost. He would give us blessing after blessing. Joy after joy, holiness upon holiness. He would gather us up in the safety and comfort of the church like a mother hen gathers her chicks. And we would not. If you were treated this way, would you still love? If even one person treated you like this, wouldn't you get a little jaded, a little bitter? If everyone that you met acted this way towards you, 
wouldn't you be ready to just give up on the entire world? You absolutely would. But God would not. Despite our sin, despite all the evil, wicked, awful things that we do, God continues to love us, continues to save us. He shows his immeasurable love in that he never turns his back on mankind. When God created this world holy and perfect, there was one rule, and one rule only. Don't eat from this particular tree. And we blew it. We broke it. We couldn't keep it for however long it was. But it certainly wasn't long. And when mankind fell into sin, God had every right to walk away from us. To say, we had a contract. We both agreed to it. You dropped your end. I don't have to keep mine. But he didn't. Instead, he promised a Savior. Someone who would come to take away our guilt and restore to us the perfection that he had given to us and we had pushed away. All throughout mankind's wretched, violent, idolatrous, unfaithful history, God repeated that promise over and over and over through the prophets, through his word. Preserved a remnant of the faithful people who clung to that promise. He shared that promise with people who didn't deserve it and people who didn't even want to hear it. Telling them that despite their sin, the Messiah was still coming. That God still loved the world. He continued to keep the world in order and peace. He did not abandon it to the chaos that the devil wanted to bring. And when the time was perfect, he sent the Savior. Not just a servant, not just a really good person, not even just an angel, but his only begotten Son, God himself in our flesh. He came to us, humbled himself to be like one of us, stood fully in our place beneath the temptations and struggles and pains and hurts of this world, even though he was so far above it and never would have had to. He sent Jesus to pay the penalty of our sin through his suffering and death. When Jesus was threatened by Herod, Jesus didn't run and hide. He went on his way. He continued his course and he finished it, knowing that that course ended at the cross in agonizing pain and shame and death. When facing his arrest and execution, Jesus didn't throw up his hands and say, you know what, this is too much, even though he absolutely could have and spared himself all the suffering. Even as he hung on the cross, he cried out with his last breaths, for the forgiveness of his wayward children who had nailed him there. That's the love that God has for us. Mankind did everything in our power to drive God away, to make him leave us alone, and he would not. In truly unconditional love, the salvation that he has won for us, he gives freely to all. Not in the way that the world says where you can believe anything you want and still be saved because none of it really matters. No. Jesus and Jesus alone is the way to heaven. Jesus Christ alone is our forgiveness of sins and our salvation and our redemption. But that is not exclusive. 
Because God proclaims his truth to the entire world, calling all people to salvation. Like a mother hen, he doesn't throw up his hands and say, you know what, forget it, it's not worth it, they're not listening, I'm not going to waste my time anymore. He continues to call all people, all sinners, no matter how wretched they may be, he continues to call us back to him continues to protect and guard us, even when we try to run as far away as we can. But more importantly than that, he continues to forgive us, to love us, despite our wretched sin, despite the fact that we still continue to despise his gifts and try to push away his love. He still holds forth his cross and empty tomb and says, look here for salvation. Look here and be cleansed. Look here and live instead of dying for all eternity. And because he's died for you, because he's risen from the grave for you, because he has worked faith in your heart, even though as a sinner you deserve to suffer all eternity in hell, you will not. God's love is greater than your sin. It is stronger than your rejection. It is more powerful than hell itself. Jesus Christ has suffered and died in your place. He has risen from the grave to crush the head of the ancient serpent. He daily and richly blesses you through his word and sacraments. He has cleansed you of all of your sin. He has worked faith in your stony, rebellious heart. He has given you the undeserved gift of eternal life in heaven. All who look to him in faith, even the mustard seed of faith, will live, will be restored, will be cleansed of all of our transgressions. This is the glorious message of the gospel that God freely proclaims to all people of all time. God would lovingly gather all his sinful, wayward children unto himself, forgive them freely, give them the gift of eternal life, but we would not. All throughout the Old Testament, the prophets were scorned, rejected, ridiculed, and killed. Jesus himself suffered the same treatment, being mocked, denied, rejected, crucified. And still today, the word of God is scorned, ridiculed, and rejected by so many, by every single one of us on some level. How often Would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, says Jesus, and you would not. Were it us, we'd have given up long ago. But God would not. Despite our sin and rejection, God continues to pour out his blessings upon all creation. He continues to proclaim his saving word of grace to a world suffering in its own sin. He continues to shine his light of truth upon a world trapped in darkness, even as that world loves the darkness and scorns his love. Like a loving mother hen, he reaches out to his wayward children, draws them back to the warmth of his love, protects us from the evils of this world. We would have given up, but he does not. His love is an enduring love, a truly unconditional love, a sacrificial love, of sinners like us. He has given his holy life so that we may live. He shed his blood to cleanse us of our sin. He gathers us, protects us, and forgives us all of our wrongdoing so that we may be with him for all eternity. You would have given up on us long ago, 
but God would not. His love for you is so great that he suffered for you, died for you, rose from the grave for you, just to give you that precious gift that you can get nowhere else. Namely, that by the cross of Jesus Christ alone, by his empty tomb alone, you are forgiven of every one of your sins, and eternal life in heaven is yours. To God alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen.